You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience, passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chick in Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. I'm so excited today because I have a guest with me that I really, really admire for her style. I think she's an absolute go-getter, and she happens to be one of my clients, which is exciting too, because I love highlighting my clients to see what kind of success they're having. Her name is Holly Cross, and she is with Tidewater Home Funding down in Chesapeake, Virginia. So we're both from Virginia. I'm from the northern part. She's from the southern but we're still all Southerns. <laughs> we're still all Southerns. Holly, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. It's a long time coming. Thank you, Jen. Yeah, it, it, it is. Here. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about your practice as a loan officer. I want to talk about how long you've been in the business, how you got in the business, what it looked like when you first started. So tell us a little bit about that. And then we'll just sort of bring things forward into today and talk about what you're doing now to be so successful. Awesome. Yes. I got in the business in 2006 and I started as kind of an LOA and then worked into a processor. So that was back around 2008 when things were a little crazy. Did you ever get laid no. off? Wow. No. Lucky. Yeah. So I was with the same company the whole time, which was great. And we were a broker. Then I processed and then I became licensed in 2010. So I started originating one or two loans a quarter while processing. And then in 2014, I went out on my own as a full-time loan officer, which felt like a big risk <laughs> to yeah. take. Well, and also, I mean, at that time, your kids must have been, they were younger. Did you have your last, how many do you have, four? I have three. Three, but was your youngest born when you were out with that? Yeah. yeah okay. So you, the kids were really young and so you were trying to balance everything. Yes. And I That's kind it. of wanted to wait until I, after I'd had the last one, just because I know in the beginning as if you're going out in the beginning, it can be a lot of work and networking and yeah. So what have you done for the last four or five years? I mean, like, for example, I know that your husband's family, they're builders and developers, and that certainly probably helped your business go. But how did you start growing your business to bring it to a capacity where you had processor who was assisting you somewhat, and then eventually had someone under you, a junior loan officer under you? So what were some of the things that you did as a new loan officer to bring business in? I think the first year I did a lot of networking. I really did get out there and get to know everyone in the business in my area and you kind of learn to who you want to work with and who you don't want to work with. I think that was one of the biggest lessons for me was you're so hungry in the beginning that you work with everybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. So what were some some of the tipping points that made you realize that there are people you don't want to work with? Did you have like an influx of volume all of a sudden that perpetuated that? Or or was it that you just weren't getting the traction that you needed that made you realize they weren't the right people? I would say that you put a lot of work in and try to partner with people and then you realize that maybe you're not 
a great match after all, but you just try to see the good in everything. So, and you're so excited and it's hard to kind of not break up with people, but just realize, okay, maybe this isn't a good fit. (laughs) Like you say, Jen, the complicated, not compliment your business. So, and I think as a new loan officer, you just don't want to walk away from anything that could possibly bring business, but yeah. Yeah. So if you were a new loan officer now, if you were a new loan officer coming in, would you do the same thing that you did before? Or would you kind of heed that advice that you just gave about working with people that really can make a difference in your business versus just trying to get business from everybody? How would you approach that? I think that I would do the networking, get out there, meet people. But I think based on, you know, some of the tools you've given me with kind of pre-screening and not just figuring out who's on the same level as you with the way that you work and how they work and circles that they, different things that they're doing and you're doing to figure out if you're a good match. Yeah. So that you don't spend as much time. Exactly. <laughs> waste as much do time. That in the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that's what you were doing. You're out there running, hustling and trying to meet everybody and trying to get everybody's business and be friends with everybody and thinking, oh my gosh, I have to break up with a few people. So how did your business start getting to a point where, you know, was it just tenure? Did you make a shift in a company? Did you land a big builder contract that allowed for you to grow? What was the tipping point that helped your business start to grow after you were a new loan officer and as you were progressing into, you know, a mid-tier? I think there's a few things. I think one of the best decisions that I've made is investing in myself and my business with kind of shifting what I was doing and using some resources and educating myself a little bit more and maybe admitting that I needed some help in certain areas. (laughs) And then I think tapping into working my database and just building better relationships with the clients that I've had. And then the same with some of my realtors. I think sometimes we just go so fast that you kind of forget that. Yeah. And I know that one of the things that you want to share with the audience is that you also, for the majority of your tenure as a loan officer, you've been a builder representative. I'll call it a builder rep, right? Or you've done builder business. Um, Not so much, you know, two-time close or, you know, construction to perm, transitional, one-time close, but more just being the preferred lender for some builders, right? right? So let's talk about that. How did you land your first one? And was this something you were targeting or just kind of fall upon it? I think I think most of my career, I started working for a builder before I got into mortgage. So I've been very maybe connected with the builders in our area. Mm -hmm. So that kind of helped. And then I think... I don't know. (laughs) I know that's not a good answer, but I think the more you do it and the more you surround yourself in that environment, you become kind of become somewhat of an expert. And then obviously you build confidence too. So it's definitely a different animal because it's a lot of the times when you're the preferred lender, these people come to the site with an agent already pre-qualified elsewhere. And then they're told they have to use you. Right. So a lot of the times they're not thrilled to talk to me. So it is kind of a tougher sell in the beginning. But I think once you build good trust with the builders and they know that you're somebody that when you say someone's pre-qualified, they're not going to build a house that's to someone's specifications only to find out that they're not qualified at all. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So if someone was interested in getting builder business, which I hear a lot, I have realtors, but now I want financial planners and I want CPAs and I want attorneys and I want builders. And I think that it's become something where everyone says, well, everybody says we need to have it. So let's talk about needing to have it. I don't believe in that. And I think you know that. And I think the audience knows that I don't believe in that, that you have to do what aligns best with you. And so for you, building aligns best with you because you already had that experience. But if someone was saying, hey, I want to be a builder, representative or preferred lender, whether it's a big site and a big development, or if it's boutique, right? Designer kind of builders, custom homes, those types of things, smaller builders. What are some of the strategies or the thoughts as you're laying out the plan that you would go through to advise someone to reach out and try to find a builder to align with? I would say kind of along the lines of building up the trust and the rapport that you know what you're doing. And if you say someone's qualified or I think that's huge because again, they're building something to their specifications. So I think for my builders, that's very, very important. And then maybe educating on working hard with the realtors because it's a different process with building because you're working with these people for six to eight months, depending on how long it takes to build a house. And a lot can change in that time frame. Yeah. So I think a lot of, like I said, peace of mind and kind of educating the agents on how the process works from a mortgage side. Yeah. So it sounds like, and I'm going to kind of debrief what you just said a little bit. You need to be organized. You need to be surrounding yourself with them. You need to have really, really strong communication skills. I think you have to be really good in underwriting guidelines so that you don't have any issues. And I think it's kind of funny that you said that you feel the sell is tougher on that side because I think that a lot of loan officers think the sale is super easy because you're just giving credits and I have to come up with a way that I could combat those credits. And so I, I find that very interesting. I think it's just the glasses from which we all look. That's interesting. So I think that another trait or characteristic of someone who wants to work with a builder would be that your follow and it goes along the lines with the organization and the communication, but your follow-up skills would have to be impeccable. You don't have the luxury of saying, doing a pre-approval, forgetting about the client and having them, thank God, calling you and saying, hey, we found a house and you're going, oh, thank goodness they called me because I forgot all about them. You don't have that luxury there. It has to work because everything's in one basket. And constantly keeping up with what they're doing in their life. You wouldn't believe the things that people in our business go out and buy something. They want to buy new furniture for their house or so that kind of communication too from the beginning and preparing them for the market because a lot of times they can't lock at the time when they're shopping. So there are a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Do you think that your experience as a loan officer assistant and processor helped you in this particular arena or just generally in your practice? 100%. Yes. Both. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a deficit for people who come in and are loan officers and don't have that history. So what advice would you give them to learn that? Because I know you have someone on your team that doesn't have that experience. So yeah. So what have you guided her to do? So I would recommend reading the guidelines. Every time you have a deal, look the guidelines up. I know it's time consuming and you'd be surprised what you find when you're looking for something else in the guidelines. What you're like, oh, right. Exactly. So I think just submerging yourself in that and then spending time, if you can sit with your processor, spending some time processing and kind of understanding where they're coming from. Because I think putting your file together in the beginning just makes it such a better experience for not just the client, but 
everyone on your team. So yeah, yeah, I think that's great advice. I also think having them snoop into other files to see how they're structured by other loan officers so they can get a feel for how loans are structured. Right. Just generally, because everyone has a little different take on it. If you look at an application and it's like the front cover of a book, right, as you're going through it, but the way that it's structured inside, is it a thick book, a thin book? Are there, you know, X amount of pages right. and how many words are on each page? And I think that that's been something that I've coached people on who were on my team when I was originating is to go snoop in files and look at the cover and then say, how would you put this loan together and see how that compares to how it was actually done. It's very interesting to see different angles that people take on it. It proves that it's not a science, it's an art. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So a year ago or so you started coaching with me. And so where were you at in your practice at that time? Because you've got your builders, you've got your guidelines, been an LOA and a processor and you've got your builder and you've got some realtor relationships. You might be kind of saying goodbye to some of those or holding them on tight. So now you're at this critical point where your volume is whatever your volume is and you're not growing. There's something missing. So what brought you into that particular, and I don't want to talk about the coaching. I'm just saying what brought you into coaching? Why did you think that now is the time to make a change if you were doing well? all along. I think, Jen, that I got to a point where I felt like I was at a little bit of a crossroads with, I wasn't necessarily, I love what I do. I didn't feel like I was in control of it. I just felt like everything was very, and I wanted to have better systems and things in place. And I knew that if I continued to go the way that I was going, I didn't feel like I would be able to sustain any of this. So I think I came to a point where it was either I need to figure out something different or maybe just reconsider. Some other career. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Yeah. I know. And I I think we all get to those crossroads. I mean, I had that. I had that in my business. I mean, you know, those stories and where it's like, I can't do this anymore. Something has to give. Right. And I think it's just a, something has to give road sign or something uh, that happens in there. Okay. So you got into the coaching. So how has your business changed over the last year and what does the future look like for you? I think the coaching and even the masterminding and getting to talk to other loan officers in other areas, and it just makes you feel there's some camaraderie there where you're you're not not an island. You're not all by yourself. (laughs) I think that was great. And then I think it just gave me some clarity and some tools to use to get to where I need to be. I feel like I'm still barely figuring all that out, but it's excited me because I feel like I can keep going and grow and use some of those things to put some systems in place. And Yeah. And so the future looks like what? What are you planning to do maybe now till the end of the year or maybe in 2020? What does that future look like for you as how you want to grow your business and see things change or bring into your business? So I, as you know, I'm, I'm on board to hire a new assistant that will help me from kind of lead to contract. And then I have one my processor that will do from contract to close. So I'm hoping with that, that over the next year, I can really fine tune some of the systems that I've started to put in place and increase my volume and feel like I'm doing a good job at all of that, that I'm not overwhelmed and always feeling like I'm missing something. So yeah. And I think that's just naturally the next step. I mean, it's coming up to another glass ceiling. I mean, that's why I call it cracking the top producer code, right? Because there's always another glass ceiling. and, And even that, and, I, and we were talking about this too a couple of weeks ago. And I said, your next problem is going to be management, right? Because <laughs> your next ceiling of management, now you have all these people doing all these things. Now it's, oh, I, now I have to be a good manager, right? So that you can delegate so that you can go out and do what you absolutely love to do. And I know your volume has 
almost doubled. Yes. Almost doubled. I think there's a couple months where it is doubled and then some, but yeah. So I think that's really cool. So what are you doing now in COVID? And of course, this probably won't be released until later this year, but I think we're still going to be in it. So how has your business changed since COVID? I know the builder business hasn't changed. (laughs) Yeah. In some ways, I think I've been able to build closer, more personal relationships with some of my realtors. And I haven't done many Zoom calls with them, but we've been checking in quite frequently. And I think that camaraderie has been good. And the same with my clients. I think even though I haven't been out networking and been able to see people face to face, it's been kind of cool how we've all been able to stay in touch. I've done a lot of videos, which I put some of those systems in place prior to COVID. So that has really paid off as far as, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's true because we worked on that for a while. Yeah, I remember. Thank God you have it there. I think it's been good considering we've all been stuck. So, yeah. So do you think that once we're out of COVID, because I I think I've mentioned to you, or maybe I've talked to other people about it, just saying that as the government says, okay, well, we're now going to phase three or we're going here and I'm going, no, because I have all this background work that I've been doing. And I know as a team, we've all been working on some of those hard skills to get things in place so that the next time that we're out and we're out running around that we don't have, oh, I'm going to get to it. I'm thinking about it. I'm working on it, but we're actually taking action for it. So how has that impacted you and how do you think that's going to play out for your practice once forever eventually released or released? It's interesting because I wonder too how much it's going to change our industry in lots of different ways. But I think enjoying putting all these systems together and really wrapping my brain around them while having all this downtime has been great. So I don't know, Jen. I guess it's kind of an unknown. Yeah, as to what's happening. And I, I think the most important thing is just putting some things into play right? So they're right. planting some seeds so that you can be prepared and doing things that have been, I mean, look what everybody's doing with their houses. Everyone's doing renovations because these things have maintenance has gone, you know, awry or it's things that people didn't work on and they're going, okay, now that we've had time to slow down a little bit, we'll paint and we'll do the renovations. And it's the same thing, I think, with business now that we've had time. And it's not that, you know, that you're necessarily slow because your business is actually growing and it's growing with purchases, not refis, which is great. But because it's growing, there's still that downtime that we have that we're not commuting and traveling and networking and going to networking events and going to closings and stuff. And so we do have that time. And so that idle time, it's really important to utilize it to your benefit rather than to just waste it away. So I agree. Yeah. And I know that you've been doing that a lot. And I know that you've also been balancing, right, with the kids and things. So now that your volume has doubled, and of course, COVID's like throwing a challenge in here, but now that your volume's doubled, you're hiring someone to take off, take some of the relief off you, except all of that. But how are you handling the volume while you're in COVID? Because a lot of people that are listening are saying, what do I do? What are ways that I can get some balance in my life? That has been, yeah, very challenging. Challenging. And I think I've called you a couple of times because I think when you're a mom and you're home and your kids are at home and you're trying to work and you're juggling all of that, it's a very hard thing to balance because there's some days where I've had a hard time not working. You just keep working and don't know when to stop. And then there's other days when there's so many distractions that you never really get to your desk. So 
I think that I need to be better about proactively putting some of that downtime into my day. Yeah. And we've talked about that too, is like calling it a day, right? Right. (laughs) Okay. It's a day. We're going to call it a day and I'm going to go spend time with my family. And I love that you're sharing that and that you're being vulnerable to the fact that you can be a top producer and still have some balance, you know, but it is a learned habit. You know, it's absolutely a learned habit that you have to put attention on so that you can move forward with it. Yeah. So what keeps you motivated? I think I just really want to do well at what I've put all this time into and I want to master it and I want to have that work-life balance where I'm doing a great job for my clients and putting, you know, obviously it's the dream of home ownership that I'm working with. And then also I have a family and a life and I guess it's just doing well at all of it. And that feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction. Yeah. And I mean, you're very driven. So, I mean, you have a steadiness to you, but you're very driven at the same time. And I think that's really cool. Are you reading a book right now that is motivating you or listening to a book? It's okay if you're listening. (laughs) I just listened to the book, um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, that book. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know the book that I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. So I just listened to that, which was good for me because I think sometimes you need to learn when not to let things bother you too much. So... Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people in our industry, it's a matter of over-serving our clients and underserving ourselves and our families. Right. And part of that is the subtle art of not really caring that I have to say no to clients sometimes in order to say yes to myself. And that's part of it. And it's a mindset switch, no no doubt about it. But but that's a really good book. I mean, it really is a good book, especially if you're a people pleaser. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a really, really good book. Okay. So last question. Any parting thoughts for anyone? If someone's listening and you've listened to the podcast as well for years and years, you've listened to the podcast. What advice do you have for anybody who's listening, who is challenged or struggled or, you know, anything that has to do with the context of what we're talking about and they're trying to break through ceilings and grow their business? What advice do you have? If you could put your finger on one thing that says, hey, this is what you might want to consider doing. I would say just don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't compare yourself to other top producers Mm -hmm. because they think it takes all different types of personalities and I'm not a big networker. So sometimes I felt discouraged that can I really make it in this business if I don't love being around big groups of people? But I think it takes all different types. And I would say consider investing in yourself because I think continuing to learn and educate and yourself within this business is huge. So yeah, I think that's really key as well. I invest in me all the time. I mean, oh my gosh, do I ever... I mean, there could be overload of education. There's no doubt about it. So, well, I, Holly, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. And we appreciate you taking time. It's fun to see your journey and what's happening with you and how different your business is since I first met you and that you're still working on it. I mean, it's, it's a progress, right? I mean, this is a progressional thing. I'm working on stuff. I'm still working on lots and lots of stuff that I love that you've engaged with me and trusted me to help be your tour guide as you go through this journey and really just appreciate that you took the time today to share with other people so that they can be inspired to help their business grow as well. So thank you. Thank you, Jen.
Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody, we will catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. And don't forget, if you haven't subscribed, please go subscribe and give us a great rating and a great review. We love those reviews coming in. And please be sure to share with your friends. Um, This is for real estate and mortgage professionals and everyone around them, you know, all of our vendors and our mortgage companies and our title companies and our insurance agents. So share away and have a great day. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.